welcome to season three of the ABCs to live your dope life. I am your host, Marin McHugh, and I am so grateful you are here. This season is all about collaboration and community, as most episodes will be a live recording on the online yoga platform, Superseed, and you can join us live to listen in and contribute with questions in the Q&A portion of the conversation. Expect raw, real, and vulnerable discussions as we support each other in bringing our whole selves into the present moment and display more of what we all have in common, a desire for safe connection and a longing for a space where support, diversity, and growth is nurtured and encouraged. So get cozy, take a few slow, nourishing breaths, and ask your heart to open. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. At the uh, the first 30 minutes, just as a reminder, we'll be uh, Beth and I sharing in a conversation. Uh, and we will open up the floor after that for anyone if you have a question or want to contribute in any way. So for now, get cozy. <laughs> you can have your uh, video screen on or off at this point. Whatever feels more comfortable for you, we're happy to accommodate. We'll just give it another 30 seconds or so for everyone to get their audio connection and take a few deep breaths as you get yourself settled. And Beth, I'll just leave it to you. If you notice anyone popping in um, with audio on, you can mute them for now. Looks like everyone's got that covered. Hmm. Well, I'm just really excited to be here tonight and and so thrilled to have you all. I've been running a, a podcast for uh, about a year and a half, and I've had Beth as one of my guests a couple times. And this is part of uh, season three of my podcast, uh, which is now a collaboration with Beth and the Superseed platform. So as uh, most of you probably know by now, this will be a bi-weekly gathering and we will make the, uh, at least the audio, maybe the video available as well. Uh, this one initially is a bit of an experiment as we're playing with uh, how the screens will show up in the recording. So bear with us as we work out the kinks. But tonight's theme is vulnerability. And yeah, what a an interesting topic. Beth and I were connecting before this and talking about how fitting this is because we're both feeling very vulnerable to be diving into this conversation. So yeah, it's gonna just feel into that for a few moments. And I wanna begin actually with reading uh, a quote about vulnerability. And this comes from Brene Brown. She says, vulnerability sounds like truth and feels like courage. Truth and courage aren't always comfortable, but they're never weakness. So as we 
explore into this uncomfortable terrain together. Uh, we also invite courage to come along with us so that we feel supported and we can take our time. So the first question uh, that we want to pose together is, well, what is discernment? And how does it play a role in vulnerability? And to start with this, discernment means good judgment, right? So what, it is, what is it to have good judgment when you are also practicing vulnerability? And this one really speaks to me because I, I'm someone who, I love vulnerability. And for a few years, I, I thought vulnerability was just speaking uh, whatever was on my mind, whatever felt like truth in the moment. And it, it always felt really raw and powerful. And I had a few situations where uh, I was approached after sharing something with the question of, you know, do you think, do you think that was maybe too vulnerable? And my first reaction to that was um, taking offense. Like, what do you mean? How could you say that? There's no such thing as being too vulnerable. And because I'm also a very curious person who loves to be in self-inquiry, that question stuck with me for a long time. It's like, well, what does it mean to be too vulnerable? Like, what the hell does that even mean? And that took me into this conversation on discernment and how that's an important part of vulnerability. And where that brought me to was understanding, well, what is containment? Well, what is containment versus suppression? I don't want to push something down or avoid it. But I also know that containing is really important. Some things are uncooked, unprocessed or premature. And if they're spoken before they've been uh, processed for a little while, it, it can make the conversation a little bit more difficult. And so to me, discernment uh, with vulnerability is, is the process of slowing down, of making sure that when I feel something that is really raw, vulnerable, that I, I first meet it myself before speaking it out into the world, that I turn towards what I'm feeling. And I make sure that I, I feel stable and I'm getting to know the layers and the depth of what, what it is moving through me before I, um, again, voice it or express it. Uh, another piece of that though, is recognizing that it's, it's gonna be imperfect and uh, you're gonna make mistakes and that's okay. But it's the process of, of just coming back and slowing down and, and meeting what's there so that there's um, this inner stability, even in the, the raw sharing or asking or expressing of any kind. It just reminds me of how when I've shared something really premature with someone and I'm feeling unstable, well, now they're feeling unstable. And now it's two unstable people in a, in a really difficult conversation. And again, that's, that's okay. You'll find a way through it. But it can be a lot, um, a lot easier if you take the time to find the stability in yourself first. Hmm. So that's what comes up for you from that question and you know jumping off what I've shared there. Yeah, I think there's uh, a couple of things that popped out at me right away. Um, one was um, you mentioning that it's not going to be perfect. 
Um, and I have the complete opposite view where I believe everything is perfect. Hmm. Um, and, and perhaps it was perfect in the sense that it was just an opportunity for you to learn how to, how to move forward next time more in alignment with something that, that feels good to you hmm. um, was kind of the first thing. Um, the second thing is that I think um, ease, you talked about how can I make this easier? Um, and so anytime you're dealing with vulnerability, finding a way to cultivate more ease for yourself and by doing so, you will. So for the other people around you, whether it's one person you're a conversation with or a group of people that you're having a conversation with um, to broach that the energy of vulnerability. And then the last thing I think that um, the more that you work through um, consciously uh, practicing being vulnerable, um, the better you become at um, having worked through creating ease, recognizing that um, the goal being to create safe space, not only for yourself, but the people around you. And so I guess that would be that, mm. that in that stop, that pause, in that time that you take to breathe, um, the question like, how can I make the space safe for myself and the person in front of me? Um, mm. And then I'm not going to say it's a more perfect conversation. It's a different conversation that I think will feel better um, as you move through it, more in alignment with who you truly are. It's mm -hmm. kind of where, where I landed with discernment. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's so great. I love that you brought in safety because that's such an important part of it, right? When when two people feel safe in a conversation, they can go a lot further into the the unknown together. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting how you started the conversation saying how fitting it is that we chose vulnerability as the first topic and um, how vulnerable, <laughs> you know, we met a few minutes before you guys joined and I was like, I feel so vulnerable, <laughs> you know, and, and that's, that's perfect for us to be able to discuss yeah. that, um, you know, and in that space between us meeting and you all joining us, um, Marin really cultivating safe space, you know, so we did, we practiced a couple of breathing exercises, we connected to our heart, um, we read a couple of things, um, and really got grounded inside mm -hmm. of ourselves so that we could hold safe space for each other and then for all of you, um, because the goal here is to lead a discussion mm -hmm. um, that I hope opens up into a beautiful flower where, where some of you actually want to contribute to the conversation and perhaps broach being vulnerable with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so Beth, what does vulnerability feel like for you? What does it feel like? Um, I think vulnerability is so important as I think, um, first of all, I think, if you've taken my classes recently, I discuss often um, feeling, starting to actually feel uh, what the postures feel like and being present with the sensation um, and allowing those sensations to come up. Um, and so what does vulnerability feel like? It feels like processing fear. And um, I, think, I think many people, um, when, they, when they don't process their fears, they, they, they dump energetically those fears on the people around them. Typically the people who are closest to them um, and, and so when you're actually vulnerable, it's, it's you no longer having to dump that fear on someone else, but
but that's that's how processing fear feels. Vulnerability is just the word that we put to the feeling of processing fear of releasing it. Hmm. That's so good. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. you yeah, it's interesting because yeah, thank you. I uh, there's so many different like in this moment because I'm feeling vulnerable. <laughs> it feels like it feels like electricity, like moving through my body and mostly up in my shoulders and jaw. Um, yeah, it feels a little unsettling. Like that, that do something feeling like, you know, so it's, it's, it takes, uh, it takes a little bit more uh, effort to, to stay seated and to be like, no, it's okay. Like I can be here. I don't need to go anywhere. I don't need to do something. I can just be here. So it, it, it takes a little bit of, uh, it takes more effort to just even be seated. Um, you know, at, and at times, like it feels life-threatening. There's been conversations that I've had that were extremely vulnerable that really felt like, like I'm gonna die. <laughs> this is so hard, or you know, or like wanting to reverse time. Like, how can I backtrack out of this conversation? Like, it really it can feel intense, life-threatening, and it can also feel in life and nourishing you know it, it's like it feels expansive like nothing else matters except what's happening right now there's so much sensation that like drops me into the moment mm -hmm. so it's everything from beautiful to um painful mm -hmm. Awesome. I like uh, I like how you yeah. like it is like a vibration when you just yeah. sit with it and you don't allow yourself to leave the situation it is like a vibration and when you said jaw it's like I can almost like point to it um but then it yeah. really got me thinking about like the throat chakra actually how connected that is and so vulnerability mm -hmm. is typically speaking so it's almost like like this whole area energetically like starts to like vibrate um mm. second piece mm -hmm. of that where you said like it feels like I might die like absolutely like it's um you're taking me back to when I first started teaching yoga um and and public speaking was it took me a year to get over like a year um and uh, talking to to psychologists that are friends um really kind of nailed it home and said just so you know most people would rather die then get over the fear of public speaking. <laughs> so absolutely, it's that that it triggers that 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 death. Like, what's more scary, you know, being vulnerable or dying? You mm -hmm. know, it's it's kind mm -hmm. of right there. For mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That that takes me into uh, you know the the next question is you know what are some examples of when your vulnerability was not met or received, and how did you navigate that? And oh, can I say something about what you guys were saying? Sure. I feel like 
I feel like I'm a big fan of uh, Brene Brown myself. And so yeah. I wanted to add something to what Bath was saying. And I really, I really, really relate to the fact that vulnerability feels like a processing. But I want to change the word fear here and, and tickle you with this thought. What if being vulnerable is the processing of being seen? which to some people looks like dying, to some people looks like fear, to some people looks some sort of like excitement that almost give you like a little panic attack. And in that, in that being seen, there is, there's a choice, the choice of the fact that you deserve this moment and you deserve to be your USQ at this moment and being your USQ is fill in the blank. You know, just to use Bernays voice, like, you know, tell your husband that you're really horny and you want to do it tonight with the risk of being told no. You know, tell your boss that you're quitting your job because you deserve better. You know, tell a person that they no longer are needed and they must go. Whatever that is, you're going to stay true to your ground and you're going to be seen now in a specific way. And that can feel like so many ways. Mm. And what I love about Bernays is that she says it's not good or bad is just something that comes with the territory. Because if you don't allow yourself to be vulnerable, if you don't allow people to see you, then you're missing out on some of the things that Marin was saying. You know, it can feel like that, but it can also feel like enlightenment. It can feel like being, it can feel like being acknowledged. It can feel like being fulfilled. It can feel like being daring and adventurous. Mm. And you, and if you don't allow yourself to be vulnerable, then you miss out on all these things. Mm. Okay, I wanted to say this. Okay, thank you for. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that. Yeah, very happily received, Giselle. Thank you. That uh, that being seen, that takes me into this um example of, of something that you know I am still processing this this is still very raw and uh I, i've done a lot of meeting this and so i i do feel prepared to to speak it to express it but i had a, a situation only a few weeks ago where i ended up uh approaching my husband and um letting him know that i have a crush on another man and i'm curious about what it would be to have an open relationship and <laughs> was not received so well, uh, <laughs> which, um, you know, it's, it's taken me into lots of different situations of, oh, was that premature? Like one of the terms I've even shared with Beth of like, it felt like a premature ejaculation. Like it just was something that felt so raw and real in me. And I was just like, Bleh! like, I need you to know this. I need you to know my truth. I want to be honest with you. I don't want to keep a secret. Um, and it did open up some really beautiful conversation between us eventually, but at, at, at first, oh, it was hard. It was like time moved slower. I, I felt that like every time I wanted to add something else or speak something or he asked me a question, it was like, like I, I had a block, like it was hard to even continue, but it was like, I've opened the gate. I have to keep talking about this. And, you know, it kind of felt like, like I had this, you know, what could be like a beautiful cake cooking inside of me, but it was still mush. And I was like, try some, like, <laughs> what do you think of this mush? That might be a cake that we'll both enjoy one day. But right now it's, it's mush. 
and I'm going to like spoon feed it to you. And I, it's really interesting because part of me could say, you know, it was too early to say anything. It was, yeah, it was not, I wasn't ready yet. There's another part of me that's like, well, fuck it. Like that was something that felt so big and real. And I, I needed his contribution. I, you know, I needed him to try the goo and to be like, girl, that needs some sugar that needs to be baked for another six months. Like it's not ready. Like I needed to hear that from him. And it was so awkward and uncomfortable and man, like, but again, it's, um, it opened up a really beautiful conversation. It was that moment of like, I can, I can suppress this and feel myself close around it. Or I can just like burst this and know that even if this ends up being an epic failure in this moment, I will have another opportunity to, to talk about it again. Right. That's, that's the beautiful thing about our lives is it's not just this one snapshot. It's like, okay, that didn't work very well. What did I learn from that? And what can I do to approach this again in a way that um, is, is more respectful and appropriate and, and honoring? And yeah, so I'm, I'm grateful that I, I did bring it up. And it's really helped me recognize that it's actually not about this other man. It's not. It was about this, like, this wild, untamed part of me that just wanted to be seen and wants to be liberated in terms of being able to speak about fantasy. Like, a lot of my fantasies, when I actually think about what they would be like in reality, I don't actually want to go there. But I love thinking about it. And I want to be able to speak to it. And I want to be able to share in the pleasure of speaking to fantasy without thinking that it needs to become reality. And so it's it's opened up this new plane of existence for me that I didn't realize I was missing or lacking until I really messily approached the conversation. And yeah, and I'm actually surprised as to where where it's taken me and what it's become. And I wouldn't have been able to get to this point if I wasn't brave in that moment and shared something that felt really risky and uncomfortable. Hmm. Yeah, I um, I I um, I admire you. I think that you are incredibly brave um, and and um, courageous. Um, Thank and you. Hard. Um, I'm going to share perhaps one of my biggest vulnerabilities, um, and yeah. it's like a mantra that that vibrates through me um, all all the time, and it is um, very clearly, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And it's been there for a long time. I've had a lot of people actually vocalize that to me. Um, and so they've reaffirmed that, like, who do I think I am? Um, and so I'm going to share uh, before I actually met Marin, um, I was on Instagram and scrolling and I came across her account. I hadn't met her. And so I followed her and um, I, like right away, I was like, wow, this woman is so brave. And she had put out a post um, that I thought was incredible. And so when you see a really great post, you go and you look at the comments. Well, someone right there had basically said, who do you think you are? You're not a psychiatrist. You're not this. You're not that. And I'm going to be like, oh, that's my biggest fear. 
And then Marin had answered and I was like, oh my God, what did she say? It was like a little drama playing out in front of me because it's like all of my fears happening right there. And Marin very articulately just said, no, this is who I am. This is why I speak my truth. Like it was nothing. Well, a week later, Marin walked into my yoga class and I was like, oh my God, it's you. I know you from Instagram. Um, so again, it's just kind of um, a full circle being here right now. We've been having this discussion with you and how much I've admired you and looked to you um, through many times in the last three years now, I think, mm -hmm. um, where that question is going through my head, mm -hmm. like, who do I think I am? And, um, and you're so brave. <laughs> Taken by the hand, you're like, look at, here's who you are, remember? You know, remember? Um, so yeah, that's um, something I wanted to share. So thank you for leading this thank as well, leading this conversation, because um, this is this is, this is is big for me, to be able to have these kind of conversations and invite other people into these kind of conversations, um, really kind of um, mm. enabling people to feel safe and speaking whatever their truth is, because your honest truth like I know that that who do you think you are I'm pretty sure like what at least 50% of the people on this this uh, call right now have, have had that thought right so it's like our real truths they really hit home for so many other people mm -hmm. and by speaking them we free other people to speak their truth mm -hmm. right because really I think all we're doing and not speaking our truth is holding other people's unprocessed fear for them. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Mm. I have a question for that. Oh. Yeah. Could it be that, who do you think you are? It's not a vulnerability. It's actually what keeps you from being vulnerable. Because in my mind, when you're vulnerable, you're at the USQ. And so, you mentioned that is the process of eliminating fear because being your USD, you are, you can be rejected big time. Not, but what about bigger than who do you think you are? What about bigger than like, get, the, get out of here, get out of here. You don't even belong here. What about that? You know, what about you can never come back? And so I think that if you live in that, you're not being vulnerable. And it's, and again, like, you know, um, now this podcast comes into my life at a perfect time because I've literally been like binge like listening absorbing and reading like Brene and so like I feel like oh okay like this is just a continuation of this Brene Brown immersion in her study in her preliminary study when she tries to talk about connection which is what we're here for you know think about even uh you know who are the big writers you know even the guy that wrote uh Fight Club, Chuck Priano, right? He writes about connection, about human connection and how like twisted up like it can really get, like what people, will, what level uh, people will get to like create certain connection, create certain patterns or those patterns, like you're looking for that. And in connecting, you're exposing yourself. And so you, you, by you being you, you can jeopardize the connection and then being isolated and nobody wants to be isolated. Everybody wants to be accepted. Everybody wants to be loved. And so the who do you think you are is the shield against vulnerability. Like, because who do I think I am? I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm going to be like who I'm supposed to be, who I think it's, it, it's supposed to be, which is not me. And I'm not going to do something and I'm not going to talk to the husband and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to stand my ground. And she says that 
the the group of people that she was interviewing then ended up being in two different categories. The people that lived, I'm going to use a big word now, but I'm not indicating it to anybody, the people that lived with shame and the wholehearted people. Because if you live in a state of fear of being seen, like if for whatever reason being seen, like that vulnerability is just too much for you and you don't allow it, then you live in this sense of shame. But like you are not, you, you, you're not allowing, like we were, like I was saying in the beginning, then you're not allowing for yourself joy and happiness and adventure and, and authenticity even, you know, you're jeopardizing even authenticity. And, but if you're wholehearted, well, if you're wholehearted, like then, I mean, yes, that one night that I said this out loud with like 25 people over there was a total, what, what the heck was I thinking that I actually even said that? And, you know, there needs to be that, that, that agreement with failure. There needs to be that agreement with rejection. Like there needs to be an, uh, an, an uh, okay, yes, I can, like, you need to be okay with failing. You need to be okay with being rejected. You need to be wholehearted and you need to be connected with that sense of worthiness. I am worthy of this rejection. I am worthy to be forgiven after this rejection. I'm worthy of that. I'm worthy to a second chance. Heck, I'm worthy to a third chance. Hey, you know what? Watch me do this again and say the wrong stuff again. I'm worthy because I cannot be anybody else but me. And I'm in this world, I'm gonna bring it back to the yoga more than to the Bernay, like I'm in this world to experience myself, uh, you know, and, and um, in our, as, as we develop, we, we dwell on that. Like when we're born, we dwell right away on that. We dwell on the fact that we are in this world and everything is new and everything is awesome and everything needs to be experienced. And now we're finding our authenticity. And then we have our mom and our dad that shape us. Mom, I want a cookie, but it's before dinner. Who cares? Like, we want cookies. Good girls don't want cookies before dinner. Good girls don't eat cookies before dinner. Well, my authenticity tells me that otherwise. My gut tells me that I should have a cookie, mama. But now I love you, and I want your love, and I'm attached to that love. And so, fine, I'm going to cry. I, I mean, I'm not going to eat that cookie, punishment, for who I am. I'm not getting my cookie. And I, I just got, there's something wrong with me because I wanted a cookie when I was not supposed to want it because the girls don't want the cookie at that time. And so there's like a programming that we are exposed to in the first like early development years of our lives that makes us think that like we must be perfect. And I am definitely not that. I am, I am so far away from perfect. And so what was I thinking? Who do I, who do I think I am? You know, I don't know what I was saying. I was probably not saying anything. I'm going to go on mute. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think you're perfect, but <laughs> it's just me over here. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Giselle. The piece I wanted to add on was the, who do you think you are? Um, directly correlates to I am. Like, who are you? It's like, it's maybe the most difficult question any person could actually be asked. If you're not going to label what your profession is and what kind of qualities you have, like I am, yeah? And um, there's, there's um, if you, if you put any word on the end of I am whatever, you've, you've either set something that's limiting or something that's predetermining your death. Hmm. Who I am? I'm not really sure. And if I put my foot there, maybe that makes me that person. Maybe I don't want to be that person. Maybe I don't want to own that right now. So it's, it's, um, a bit of that as well, not not really knowing who I am. Yeah. Hmm. 
nor really mm. wanting to have a de- definition to it because who I am today is not who I am tomorrow. You know, I can go back to a, a really bad relationship I had around 10 years ago um, and, and having someone actually say to me, like, what do you think you are, a yogi? No, 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 I don't think I'm a yogi. I didn't say that. I don't think I'm a yogi, you know? So like having like now, like, yeah, I'm a yogi. Oh, man, now like I'm a yogi. I am like, that's just who I am. That's what I do. That's if you want to label, if you want to put something on it, you know, but maybe tomorrow I won't be, hmm. you know? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. You know, what comes up for me as well is the, you know, we were here to experience ourselves. And it just reminds me of, you know, part of this inquiry that I've been in from from what I shared of this little, uh, this little, this big situation that I um, went through a few weeks ago, is that what really became clear for me is how how much shame and, and judgment and guilt I had in my body that even before saying anything, just, just this, this thought of thinking about another man, just the thought was producing so much guilt and shame inside of me. And I, I've developed this practice of just noticing and going, oh, that's interesting. Like that's a lot of guilt and shame when I haven't actually done anything. Like that's really interesting. And so this situation actually initiated me into this process of meeting this shame and this guilt, turning towards it, being able to have conversations with it. Like, what can I do to help you feel safer in this moment? You know, me speaking to the shame. Like, you know, I just need you to relax a little bit. Tell me, like, what are you afraid would happen if you didn't grip in me so savagely? Like, what are you afraid would happen? And then I hear stories of, you're going to forget how much you love your husband. You're going to be left alone. You're going to die alone in a corner. You know, you know, all the things that these, these grandiose fear and uh, doom. And, and I was able to listen to that and be like, oh, yeah, I get it. That makes sense. You're, you're trying to protect me. I can appreciate that. And I need you to know and trust that I've got this and I don't need this this intense shame and guilt to steer me in the right direction and keep me safe in the way that it thinks it is so again it became it liberated me right so when we can start to meet these parts that get really loud and and grip inside of us and recognize oh it's trying to protect me it is a deeply programmed part from my childhood right but i'm the one who needs to liberate it i need to meet it and let it know that like I've got this. I'm not I'm not five anymore. You don't have to worry about me so much, right? And so it's yeah, it's really interesting that these really difficult, big situations we find ourselves in are actually what help us experience ourselves and see ourselves more clearly. Mm. Yeah. So Beth, I have an, uh, one more question for you, and then we're going to fully open it up for, for anybody who wants to, to ask or share in any way. Uh, so the question is, if vulnerability is a muscle to flex, what's the practice look like, and how do we get in rep? Well, I mean, that's easy. You back then, right? <laughs> it's just over and over and over and over again <laughs> until you understand yourself better. Um, 
for the specific reason that you're learning how to meet your nervous system, how to deal with your nervous system. You're learning how to deal with, um, who am I? Do I think, do I think I can do this? Can I do this? Am I going to die if I do this? And so it's, it's almost like, um, my backbending pro, pro, uh, practice is really solely so that I can find the fear that lies in my body. And I'm going to be specific with the vibration of that fear being vulnerability as um, I'm not sure you can get more vulnerable as a human than to backbend, not see what's in front of you, expose your heart and your throat and open your rib cage, which is the cage that is protecting your heart and keeping you safe um, from being vulnerable. And so, um, yeah, that that is my practice, and that is how I get in reps is um, backward bending. How about you? Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, for me, it's um, it's breath work. Uh, along with backbending, but I'm still, you know, there's still fear in me around that, but I, yeah, I'm learning from you. Uh, but breath work for me has been huge. Um, sorry, what did you say? I said it's still in me. It's not gone. It's not gone. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten rid of it. <laughs> still working on it. Yeah. 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 I don't know. If, yeah. The fear, the fear will, it just gets quieter, I guess, but it's, it's good to have some in there. It serves a purpose, right? It's, yeah. 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 So breath work for me has been really big because I just recognize that, um, you know, if I'm, when I get dysregulated, which can happen when I step into a difficult conversation or I'm, I'm feeling vulnerable, I need to know that I know how to regulate myself. Like that's actually what gives me courage. I, I, I really feel like I can step into anything at this point because I know I can come back home to myself. I know how to get grounded. I know how to get regulated. And, and to me, that's what growth is. It's okay. Rupture, disconnect, repair, come back. Oh, rupture, think chaos. I, am I going to die? Like, you know, the big, the big intense feelings. Oh, no, I'm, I'm back. I can come back to myself. I can get grounded. And, and the more I do that, the more I recognize, okay, well, I can do anything. Because I know I can regulate myself. It's, you know, through this process of, of learning how to increase my carbon dioxide tolerance, right? How to, which is a really important practice so that even when I'm not paying attention to my breath, my body is breathing slower, right? For a long time, uh, I was very dysregulated. So I, I breathe really fast, even when, you know, especially when I wasn't paying attention to it, I would breathe fast and I would occasionally just stop breathing and hold my breath, extremely dysregulated. So learning more about how breath works and how to increase my tolerance to carbon dioxide so that again, when I'm not paying attention, my body naturally breathes closer to a five or six second rhythm. And that keeps me in a regulated state. And then I know how to guide myself back to that regulated state after things have been dysregulated and another piece on top of that is to recognize that the rupture is important it's perfect it's beautiful no relationship is meant to be perfect or in harmony all the time it's meant to rupture 
what makes it a healthy relationship is the flexibility and the predictable knowing that we will repair. That's what gives relationship collectively bravery in the relationship. Even when we are disconnected, we don't see eye, eye to eye. It's like, I, it's okay. We'll repair. Right. It's, so that's, that's huge for me is just knowing, knowing how to be regulated. Mm-hmm. Which is that, I mean, it, I'll mm-hmm. take it right back to back. Maybe. All right. I'm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it, Go ahead. the purpose is getting to that place where you are dysregulated and then staying there. Like, no, don't react. Just stay there and breathe now. Just stay there and breathe. Learn how to regulate yourself in that position so that when that is triggering again, your body automatically knows how to regulate better there. And I'm, I'm going to talk about Christine. Mm. She was just in backbending this week. And it, I mean, it happened, right? Her biggest fear happened. She fell, right? So it was like, she fell and it happened, but then she was able to re-regulate herself. And when she did that, she was like, oh, now it's better. Now, now I know it's it's better. And all of a sudden she got stronger, more confident because of the rupture, right? Like that rupture had to happen. She had to put herself in that place, see what happens and then allow herself to repair from that place. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it, my belief is that that one moment in time and that backbend will now follow her through her life, you know, and she'll, she'll know how to regulate herself better the next time she has a fear come up without consciously being like, oh, I remember when I was backbending and I fell and I regulated myself. It's like her body just knows. It's like, oh, it's this thought again. It's this sensation again. Yes, your nervous system responding like this. You're going to be okay, remember? You know, and it will do that work for you inside mm. because you've done the work inside your practice. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah, what a great example. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm curious uh, to see if anybody, anybody wants to ask anything, share anything. No pressure, no expectation, but we're we're happy to to hold space to see if anybody, yeah, wants to to express. I want to say something about shame, if I could. Yes, please. To bring it back to to bring it back to what we study, you know, all the ancient, um, you know, all the all the ancient yoga books and the yoga sutras and how. There's a there's a chitta vritti. There's a fluctuation in the mind, and in my mind, shame is that, and it's because, um, and it's because we are we 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 come into this world with this desire, and the desire comes from the fact that we feel somewhat incomplete. It's somewhat this incompletion that 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 is a good good seed, is a good soil for the who do you think you are syndrome. And and it's not real, and it never was. And perhaps the knowledge that we're here to gain is more than a knowledge, is a remembering that that we are. You know, when when uh, that's so endearing was telling me that I'm perfect, that we are perfect, and so um, that we're perfect in our highest self. And my highest self does not look like your highest self. It does not look like yours and yours and yours and yours and yours. And every single highest self is beautiful because it's connected to knowledge. And knowledge is truth. And instead, again, I want to keep it just because of the platform is a yoga platform. Uh, We, and this is in the sutras, we live in a constant state of avidya. Ah, uh, 
negation, none, vid, knowledge. We live in ignorance, mostly of who we are. And it's because we don't want to connect, you know, like Naram was saying, like, you know, I connect with that shame. I don't even send it away. You sit with the way you feel shitty. It is though, it is though the narrative inside your brain that will tell you, there, you did this and it makes you feel shameful. Aren't you a bad person? Why? No, I'm not. I'm a human. <laughs> I'm not a bad person. I'm a human. But we tell ourselves, right? Like we tell ourselves that, like we did this and we feel shameful, feel bad. Again, like, you know, that programming, like that sense of like good and bad. What if you just is? You is. And anything else is chitta vritti. Anything else is like something that you narrate yourself, something that you tell yourself about you. And that's why we meditate. The more you shh that, or not so much, the more you look at that, the more you gain knowledge. And so back to Marin's technique, the breath, you know, just because these are like, just so we know, because I just saw the recording button, none of these ideas are mine. I'm not brilliant. I just read a lot of books just because I don't want to take credit for something that I can say. But um, um, we are like, you know what I mean? Like we are absolutely awesome and we forget about it. And so we come here and we want to experience ourselves and we think that what we desire is wrong or it's not the same. We compare and so it's not the same as what the other person uh, wants. And so we, uh, we give it a value. We've decided if it's good or bad. Yeah. In an effort of quoting people, I forgot what I was saying, to be honest with you, but I think there's something there and I think I'm happy with what I said. <laughs> I asked that I can talk about this stuff like literally. I don't know how much time you have. You want to make tea? I don't know. So. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Giselle. But it's true. Like, yeah, this is it, though. Shame is not real. Shame is real mm -hmm. if you said that it's real. Feeling bad is not real. Making mistake is real. And allowing yourself to make a mistake is what is brave, is what gives you knowledge, right? There's no mistakes. There's just lesson learned. When you learn that lesson, done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So good, thank you. Hmm. Yeah, anybody else want to jump in? I almost want to like play devil's advocate here. So what Giselle was saying, ah. I feel like, I think the feeling is real, but it's the evaluation of it that's not real. You know, cause like, if you're like sitting with a discomfort and you genuinely do feel bad or whatever it is. But once you start getting into like the beliefs and like, oh, this makes me a bad person and then all the other stuff, it's like the judgment of it that makes it so intense. That's exactly what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. I completely I mean, agree with you. That's exactly like, what I'm saying. Get rid of it, but then it comes back and you're just overwhelmed. So then you get rid of it and it's just like a cycle, right? Until you can actually stop and be like, I think I think it was Marin that said something about like listening or watching and then I'll be like oh or she said um oh this is interesting or something but I'll do that where I'll be like oh okay I'm like noticing this but it takes a lot of practice too to not jump from like A to Z without being like hey this is the thought in between and that it actually has no merit you know Mhm mm Mhm mm Yeah thank you Yeah it it is a it's 
it's it's a dedicated practice, right? Like we've got reaction here and responses over here. Yeah. Right. Or or you could even think of like stimulus here and reaction is usually like right on top of it. And so the process really is like, okay, that stimulus happened and oh, I just reacted. It happened so fast. You know, you hear these reminders of, you know, slow down, create space for yourself. Like, well, where? There was no space. Like reaction happened so fast. And so it's recognizing that, well, you you were aware of the reaction. So mm-hmm. you create space there. Yeah. And then the next time it happens, you're going to notice like, oh, uh, here it's happening again. Oh, and here I am reacting again. But there's more awareness. So there's more space. And eventually you get to the point where, you know, the stimulus happens and you go, oh, 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 interesting. Oh, yeah. there goes my thoughts. Oh, there's the shame, right? And, and then there's space there. And then all of a sudden you recognize you have choice, choice that was so non-existent or seemingly non-existent before, but it's because of this dedicated practice of noticing, right? And, and then alternative pathways open up. There's new possibility because there's space now. Provided you're willing to be vulnerable, right? Because if you're not willing to be vulnerable, then you don't see those choices. And I think I can't remember the question you asked Beth, but it was like something about like what you have to want that change. And then I sometimes it's like hard to notice, but I try to think of it like in the end result when it's like, what would you like to see out of it? And it's like choosing to be like brave or courageous over being comfortable. That's Brittany Brown, though, so I also can't quote that. <laughs> I can't claim that. <laughs> you know, where it's like, it's easier and more familiar, familiar to be comfortable or whatever, but at the end of the day, that doesn't, that may not get you to where you want to be and what your ideal self is or highest self. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I would like to say that I um, want to get back to the notion of safe space that Beth was talking about earlier and that, and that you were touching on as well, Marin. As somebody who is um, coming into speaking my truth in a lot more, with a lot more comfort and um, knowing that there is vulnerability that obviously comes with that, that notion of safe space for me has been a really interesting learning curve. Because I will always assume that the environment in which I'm speaking in or want to speak my truth is unsafe. (laughs) By nature of the fact that it's making me be vulnerable, it's not safe. And so getting back into my own body and trying to figure out what does that feel like for me has been huge. And I've really um, enjoyed the conversation tonight and all the different sort of touch points of uh, how people have gotten back to ways of describing safe space, whether it's breath or, you know, through wall walking or all of those different pieces. Um, and so I, I just really enjoyed hearing all those different places about what are what are different ways to feel safe as I get more courageous to assume that not every time I'm going to show up is going to be unsafe, right? So I just, I, I, I really enjoyed um, hearing all those different perspectives tonight. So thank you. I think too what you brought up for me there is um, if you're a victim of the situation or if you're creating the situation, and so by nature the safe the space is not going to be safe 
if you are a victim of that space. But if you are consciously the creator of that space, um, then then there's no reason why it can't be a safe space. But it's in taking that time to recognize I'm going I'm going to act I'm going to consciously create this space in which I can be vulnerable, um, which is where the practice comes in, right? Where like like you you can't fail with it. Um, but it might not feel so good the first couple of times because you're not exactly sure how do I create safe space? Like, how do I do that? You know, especially if you are someone who throughout your life, things keep happening to you. They keep happening to you, right? So it's, it's a whole different in, empowerment game to this isn't going to happen to me. Vulnerability isn't happening to me. It's a conscious choice that I'm choosing mm-hmm. to walk into. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know that the visual that's coming up for me is this, or the um, I'm just imagining like the the comfort zone and the safety of kind of standing on solid ground and wanting to get into the water, right? And and knowing like, okay, I know how to swim. You know, I've I've got like those people nearby. I know how to yell. You know, it doesn't look like the waves are too tumultuous right now. Yet there is an inherent piece of that that is is a little unsafe safe compared to the solid ground you're fed into the water and you get familiar with it and you practice it it starts to feel safer right there's deeper sense of trust because like okay my body's familiar with now i'm used to the movement i i know you know i i know all the different things i can do to to keep myself as safe as possible yet to say like i am 100 percent safe in this is a naive of course there's risk, right? But it's, but it's the willingness to what? practice and I get mean, more familiar. So we're safe from what? Yeah, thank you. From death. Unsafe from what? Well, it's, death, right? That's yeah, from death, from like, I don't, I don't control, I don't control this. I and think that not. now I, I, I was tying back to uh, what Katrina was was saying so well you know what I mean like saying from what like if you if you are willing to sit with the feelings that could be the feelings of like what like you know what I mean like what are our scenarios like we're back bending and we fall and I don't know we get scared and we can damage the thing like I mean honestly like the the chances that we die doing yoga like are fewer than like us like walking out to see somebody like hits us like I don't know what this is what I'm saying like we are we are afraid like and I think that the safe space the safest of the space that you can create for yourself is to, and now I am, that's what's going to last, is to stand into your worth. It's the worthy space. I'm worthy of doing this, whatever it is. Failure or success, I'm worthy of doing it. I'm about to step into everything that I deserve. And I think that it's the, it's the safest space that you can create for yourself because we tend to, can I expose you, Beth? Of course I can. So Beth and I spend a whole year being afraid of headstands. We literally cannot do it. We were so afraid in the morning. <laughs> and you know what though? We met that we were doing headstand. Like, you know, we met at a dance training. We were doing headstand every day. I don't know what happened. We just developed this fear. Now we cannot do headstand anywhere. And the more we talk about it, the more we cannot do it. And so now we spend like time on the phone going, why do you think we're afraid? Being stabbed in the back. What if you fall in the back? Like we don't know what's happening behind us. Or we don't know ourselves in the, uh, you know, in space and time continuum upside down. What is it? What is it? And the more we fed it, the more we couldn't do it. And 
sometimes it's just that, like the unknown. We did not know, like for whatever reason, there was no trust in ourselves. There was, there, there was no trust. There was like a little bit of a lack of trust in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Something has happened. And in my mind, it's, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Beth, but like we were just out of training and we were thrown into this very, we were like the second training. Ah, there's no studios that is offering it. Like this one, Beth is going to Canada and she's like, I'm renting a space, come and teach the first class with me. I'm flying from California to Canada to do it. There's just so much uncertainty. And, you know, when you carry the weight of the yoga world on your shoulders and the, the future of yoga depends on you. I don't know, but like we weren't doing it. We, we did not trust ourselves. Like we couldn't do it. You know what I mean? I was practicing with Kim this morning, I think, or if it was on another day at a no time and space and we held a three minute pad stand, no problemos there. And it's just that. I think that if you, I think that the more you give yourself a token of trust, the more you trust yourself, the more any space around you is safe because you are your safety net. And I think that to trust yourself, there is a let go. This is what we practice. This is why I practice asana. This is why we went to, oh, you thought, you think that we just talked about it. We went to Coachella and like, I don't know where, like there's people everywhere, but it's like, let's go headstand. And I was like, no, no, I have change in my pocket. Can't do it. <laughs> Can't change out of your pocket. We're doing it right here. Right? You know what I mean? Like you got to throw yourself in it. Throw your, show yourself. Show yourself. Because like, otherwise, like, you know. You got to do it. You know what I mean? Like, so back to what Marion was saying, like, you know, the more you do it, the better it gets. Like, effort moves towards ease. So, like, the discomfort will move into comfort. And it's just a, a way of showing yourself who's the imposter. And it always is that, that the feelings of shame, the feeling of unworthiness is always the imposter. And so, yes, sit with it. No, please don't judge it. Understand it. See where it comes from. And then, thank you. You, you overstayed your welcome. You may leave now. You know? <laughs> And I think that it's that. I think that it's absolutely that. I think that you just have to trust yourself. And I think that uh, Beth and I are a big fan of Alan Watts. And it's kind of that, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, you're trying to find the solution. You're trying to find the solution. You're trying to find the solution. And then you go to the big master and you go, big master, give me the solution. And the master goes, well, what's your problem, child? What's up? What's your problem? Oh, my mind. I can't pacify my mind. And I'm like, well, show me your mind. I will pacify it. Well, now I cannot find it. Well, then it's pacified. Bye. <laughs> there is a problem. There is no problem until you rise the question. You know what I mean? Like, and that's that. Like, you know, like the illusion of the fact that I'm going to quote a great guy, John Lennon. Reality lives a lot to the imagination. I'm going to change that quote into reality leaves all to the imagination. Mm. You know, here it is. What is it? 12 squares, 12 completely different experience right here, right now in the same moment at a different time zone. Everybody's having a different experience right now. So it really is what you make of it. I think that the space is, the safe space is a really interesting topic in the sense that it leaves um, it leaves everything to it leaves it, it allows you to have what what Beth was saying like you know it allows you to create whatever it is that you want to create. It can be through somebody else or it can be you. It can be wherever you step into safe and safe. But because I don't care what you think, because I'm not attached to the outcome, because I cannot not do this, because I love it so much, because I love the heart in my throat. Because I sit with my feelings and I'm, you know, because I'm breathing. And I think that. Mm. 
So good. Thank you. Yeah, well, with that, we'll, if, um, if anyone else has a, a comment or a question, we can um, create space for one more, and then we're going to close this circle for tonight. Yeah. I was just wondering, you were talking about um, being stable before sharing your vulnerability. Um, what if, I'm sure, I think Brene Brown answered this already, but I was just wondering if you guys have experienced a time wherein you were stable with your vulnerability, but the person you shared it with or the space you shared it with wasn't stable and how you dealt with that. Because mm -hmm. that happened to me. Yeah, and definitely. I, I was, yeah, yeah, I was shocked. Like that was my first reaction. Mm -hmm. I was just wondering, yeah. Yeah, you know what first comes up for me is stability is one piece of it. And I, I like to kind of follow the the first three chakras that lead to the heart when it comes to vulnerability. So yeah, do I feel safe and stable? And is this a person that I feel safe sharing with? Which again, yeah, sometimes you'll be surprised. Uh, even if you think like, yeah, this person can handle my truth. They're, you know, they seem like they're in a good mood. You know, if we, you know, all, all those things you can put into place. And then also like, is that what's my purpose in sharing this? Like, am I sharing this out of expectation of like, I need something from this person, right? What's, what's my purpose? Why am I sharing this? And, and if you go through those three steps first, that leads to the open heart of vulnerability. And you might still be surprised, right? Someone might um, respond in a way that you weren't expecting. And, and to me, what, what comes up with that is, well, then here we are in this place of, okay, I just, I'm in, I'm in a rupture, right? So what can I do to um, make myself and this other person feel safe in this moment? And then I need to be willing to repair it after the fact, knowing that a rupture is totally okay, normal, healthy, to be expected. We can't avoid ruptures, right? So it's, it's really about what did I do after to circle back? You know, Beth, anything come up for you on that? Um, yeah, for me, it, like it, you can walk in it, it, to hold safe space for me means to have my heart 100% open. And if my heart is 100% open, then there is no room for fear. Um, even if I walk in in that space, I'm giving the other person opportunity to um, energetically come back at me with an open heart. But regardless, it might not be enough. And so really what's happened is, is they've closed their heart. Um, and, and like Marin said, there's just an opportunity for you there to, to um, just hold that space for them of love, you know? Um, because my guess is that they haven't, they haven't been in that situation where someone had an open heart. So they're expecting you to do something and they're, they're, they're kind of putting on you now what, what has happened in their past, what their fears are. Um, and so you have an opportunity to, to, to not meet them there. 
to not to not repeat that cycle for them to teach them that there is a different a different way you know um, right. yeah because there's there's a lot of times teaching I, I to say one-on-one yoga that 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 happens you know because it's a very intimate situation um, and I'm, I'm very vulnerable when I'm teaching one-on-ones, but there are times when that person wasn't ready for that. And so, I, I mean, I can tell you literally what I do in that situation is I move energy. <laughs> All right, let's do a sun salute. Stand up. Let's go. <laughs> let's, we need, we need to move the energy now to release mm-hmm. that for you so that you can, you can feel more ease in your body, you know? So that's the technique that I would use if I met with someone who shut their heart again. They, they have to move. The physical body has to move to start moving that energy for them to release it. And that's, um, I think, the kindest thing when I'm in that particular situation that I can do for someone. It's different if you're not in a, um, in a situation like that, though. Yeah. If you've just gone mm-hmm. out for coffee with a friend, you're like, okay, let's. Well, I mean, even then, it can be like, yeah. let's go along. We got to shake this off. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like it, it, I think, I think the answer to that, Christine, is, is movement. There needs to be physical movement um, to, to help right. to, to ease that person, to create more ease in that person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, what a gift all of you are. Thank you for being here tonight and being a part of this, holding space. Um, for each other, for yourselves, and for this conversation. I'm just really grateful and, and excited for more. Uh, yeah, we're going to do this bi-weekly. So um, Shauna, Beth, and I will be uh, running a conversation in two weeks. And uh, yeah, so stay tuned. We'll keep putting out who's, um, who the guests are and what the topic is. And, and know that if you have a request, if there's a concept, or uh, a word or a topic of any kind that, that you are really curious about, please let us know. And we would be happy to, to weave that in or dedicate uh, an evening conversation to that. So know that we would love to hear from you. Your contribution matters. And we're just so grateful to, to have this started. So thank you for being a part of the first gathering. Mm. Yeah, thank you from my heart. Amazing. For, uh, joining the conversation um, because this is a starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to just add on to that, that the next one is May 13th at 7 p.m. You can put it in your schedule and join us. Um, and maybe yeah. out, Marin, do you want to mention the, con- the, the concepts we're going to discuss, that we're going to dive into, or should I ask Shauna? Um, well, yeah, we'll, we'll give you a little, little tidbit of it. It's going to be about... Um, uh, how to be a master of your own energy. So it will also be a very vulnerable conversation. Um, I think that's going to be uh, <laughs> the foundation of how all the conversations will be. But we really want to talk about, well, what are the practices? What does it mean to be a master of your own energy? And not only for yourself as an adult, but for your inner child and for like real material children. How do you teach children to be the masters of their energy? So yeah, Shauna will be uh, our expert in this conversation. And uh, yeah, if you have questions about that or, or anything you want to give us uh, ahead of time as well, we would love to receive. Um, 7 p.m. Pacific time, so 8 p.m. if you're um, in mountain time. In, uh, uh, yeah. 
so yeah there there will now be if you're a member you'll have a product that is the recorded podcast you can go there and look at them um there'll also be a space for you um to request questions um for the next topic Mm. so um look out for that this evening once i have the recording i will update that and then um, send you all an email that it has been added to your membership so yay so like it'll be available for replay sorry yes yeah. Amazing. Okay, yeah. Cool. So yeah. Well, on. Yeah. with you, but yes, we are going to. It'll be in the Super Seed membership. We'll also be on the ABC's Live Your Dope Life with Marin McHugh mm-hmm. on Apple and Spotify podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Woo. Great. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and hope to see you all soon. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. You can find me on social media at Dopame, D-O-P-E-A-M-E, or check out my website, www.dopame.com. Bye for now.